The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus looked up and saw rich people putting their gifts into the treasury. He also saw a poor widow putting in two small copper coins. He said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in all she had to live on. The Gospel of the Lord. Today we begin reading from the Old Testament book of Daniel. Traditional scholarship has this book being written by Daniel around the year 535 BC. In 605 BC, Nebuchadnezzar conquered Jerusalem and Daniel was a teenager at the time and he was taken into captivity with other of the citizens of Jerusalem and they were taken to Babylon. Daniel and his three friends were taken into the court of Nebuchadnezzar to be retrained, reprogrammed. Now the Babylonian exile was long in the making because Judah had failed to keep the covenant despite the exhortations by prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah to repent. They didn't, and so here we have this catastrophe. Notice how it begins. The Lord let King Jehoiakim of Judah fall into Nebuchadnezzar's power. God still is in control, even in this desperate situation. It's not Nebuchadnezzar who is ordering history. God is permitting this as a chastisement against his people because they have broken the covenant. Now, Daniel is writing this at the end of his captivity. So he was in captivity for 70 years. And in fact, he served in the government of this secular nation of Babylon and then their successor, Assyria, for 60 years. He served Nebuchadnezzar and then his successor, Belshazzar, Darius, and Cyrus. So he was in a very high position. How did he get there? The first question Daniel had to face is that as a young teenager, would he capitulate to this reprogramming effort by Nebuchadnezzar? Would he deny his faith? Would he convert to paganism? Daniel and his three friends were being re-educated. They were being taught the language of the Babylonians, their culture, philosophy, their religion. This whole social reprogramming was aided by threats, but also enticements. And we see an enticement in the first reading where Daniel and his friends are allowed to eat and drink from the king's table. That would be a great privilege and an insult if they had refused. How does Daniel respond? From this early age, just a young person, he draws a line in the sand. He refuses to capitulate, almost in the sense of a covenant he makes with himself and with God that he will not bend to the king's enticements or threats. It's remarkable because Daniel had been cut off from his family and from his nation. He was alone in a foreign land with powerful kings. He could have reasoned that God had abandoned him and he could have easily just capitulated, but he did not. And one of the reasons he didn't, just in this first chapter, 
even eat from the king's table is because he knew that that would violate the Torah because it would be unclean food and it would have been sacrificed to idols. So he refuses there, but he uses prudence. Notice he asks the court's advisor, Ashpenaz, to allow him to just eat vegetables and drink water for 10 days and see how his appearance would be. And God grants favor. And in fact, he looks better at the end of the 10 days. So he uses his prudence not to flaunt his faith in the face of these Babylonians, but to approach them with great humility. And God favors Daniel. And we notice what happens at the end of this chapter. Daniel and his friends are far more educated and knowledgeable and skilled in every aspect of literature and wisdom than all the other young people. Daniel has been given insights and visions and dreams. And when he's brought before the king, the king is impressed so much that he brings him right into his government with his friends. So there's lots to consider here. The first question would be, Nebuchadnezzar's plan was to isolate, indoctrinate, and assimilate. Daniel would have none of it. It's the whole relationship between faith and culture. How do we live as citizens of two kingdoms? Because we are certainly a citizen of Canada, but we're a citizen of the king, as we celebrated yesterday, king of kings. How do we resist temptations to assimilate to fads and modern attempts to vitiate church teaching? If you read on in Daniel's journey, he was a person of prayer. He would be praying three times a day, which is what they would do back in Jerusalem. So he didn't abandon his prayer life. And even though Nebuchadnezzar changed his name to a pagan name to try to wipe out his memory of his culture, he and his friends would always refer to themselves under their Jewish names. So they resisted at every level. They prayed and they would not submit even to enticements. And in the end, as we read on, Nebuchadnezzar is so shaken by dreams, which Daniel's going to interpret, that he begins to appreciate that Daniel's God is the king of kings, the king of the whole universe, and he admits as much. So it's a beautiful story for us to reflect on as we live in this secular culture with all kinds of enticements. Let us always be faithful to church teaching. Draw that line in the sand, but do it in humility, with prudence, always in prayer. Let us pray.